Man, really, um, this morning I feel like really overwhelmed. This text is insane. Um, it's great and it's hard. And it's like, it's like one of those texts where it's, it's, it's kind of big. And so you're like, okay, mess this up as little as possible. You know, it kinda, it's like kind of one of those mornings. I just want to be real with you. I'm a little nervous walking through this, um, but I think it's going to be good. This week, actually, I think it was last week, I was um, talking to one of my friends and he had been um, really shaken up because he had lost a friend in a tragic accident that he went to college with. And um, he was just um, tore up and we were sitting um, on chairs and just kind of looking at each other talking. He was just lost in thought. He was like, I, I just, I, it's hard for me to comprehend that this person was alive and now they've passed. And um, you've probably been through something like this. Um, life is tough. We, we lose people that we care about. And it, that can kind of just make you start asking questions like, what is life? Like, and and he, I just, he was just lost. He was thinking, what if I die tomorrow? Like, I don't have a lot of savings. I don't have a family to give my savings to. Like, what would my life have meant if I died tomorrow? And it, it was kind of a conversation we sort of just got lost in. Like, the eternal significance of everyday life, of like, what if it ended now? Like, what have I invested in? And um, that same train of thought, as, as I was thinking through the eternal significance of like this life, I started thinking about my grandma. She was awesome. She had a really young soul. She was amazing. She had cancer for 11 years. And if you've had family, you've probably had family members that have had cancer and you know that it's just like up and down the entire time. There's surgeries and chemo treatments and all these things. And I remember my mom telling me a story about um, a, a few instances where my grandma would like get out of surgery or have a chemo treatment and she'd be in the hospital room and she was a Sunday school teacher. So um, a, lot, a lot of times her like people that were in her class would come and visit her. Um, and they were so used to pouring out to my grandma that they would show up in the room and do that. They would start pouring out like their lives, kind of what was going on, what they needed to, to flesh out, talk about. And my mom told me that she would get so aggravated. She was like, you're talking to a cancer patient. Like you've come into her room after surgery and you're like pouring out your problems and she just had surgery. Like, and she would ask my grandma, like, can we not have visitors anymore? And my grandma would always respond like, I want them here, right? And I say this because it just kind of reminds me of like the eternal perspective my grandma had. Like her body was literally decaying. She was coming to the end of her life. And yet um, somehow she still had the eternal perspective of like, look, I'm leaving the earth, but these people are here now and I want to invest in them. I want to see beyond like my current situation. And I didn't come here this morning to like talk about my friend who, who lost a friend or my grandma, but these are the things that kind of got, uh, that kind of came to my mind as I read this passage in Mark. 9, because Jesus is going to really point us in this text, this tough text as we walk through, to the eternal significance of everyday life. He's really going to challenge us, and I think this is something um, really important as we think about, because it's so easy sort of to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and to forget like the big picture. Uh, and as I read this, I just kind of hear Jesus being like, hey, listen, I know it's Sunday morning. I know we always do this on Sundays, but listen. Like what's going on right now? You are breathing, alive, really important. And it's beyond today. So it's really cool. It's really fun. It's really easy, really easy to walk through. You'll see this text is really, really light. So it's gonna be in Mark 9, 42 through 50. Again, if you're using one of our Bibles, we're gonna be on page, um, four, wait, what page is it? 706, that's what it is. Um, so read with me and then uh, I'll pray and we'll dig in. It says, if anyone, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, if anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble. 
It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll we'll dig in. Um, God, I pray for peace in this moment, um, for me as I speak, and for um, just all of us as we listen. God, just addressing the tension, tough words here. Um, Jesus, I know you said them on purpose. Um, I know you meant them. Um, Help us to understand that. Uh, I I remember reading a quote last night from Tim Keller. He was just, uh, when things that Jesus says are kind of tough to hear, what we need to ask ourselves is, do we believe that Jesus raised from the dead? Because if Jesus raised from the dead, it's what he says is true. So Jesus, will you give us the faith and the courage where we lack, please God, this morning um, to trust you, um, to trust these tough words. Uh, God, may we find freedom in them and courage and leave courage that we are um, in communion with the, the God of all, the creator, uh, that we have access to you. And we thank you for that freedom that we have in the cross and the empty tomb. Um, love you, God. Be with us as we journey through this. Amen. Um, as we journey through it, there's going to be kind of three points that we're going to walk through, classic three-point thing, okay? Um, the first is going to be our influence. So if you're a note taker, this is like big time right here. So um, the first thing is going to be our influence. We're going to talk about our influence. The second is going to be our integrity. And the third is going to be our incense. So we have our influence, our integrity, and our incense. Now, if you're just picking out this text you know, 42 through 50, and you're just taking it out and reading that by itself, we're gonna see some really tough words from Jesus, right? These are tough, tough to wrestle with. Um, what I want us to see is that this isn't Jesus in a weird mood. He, he wasn't just mad that day. Um, Jesus has always been kind of saying things that kind of flip culture on its head, like, whoa, that was kind of big lofty words from Jesus. Uh, in Mark 1, he comes saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. We hear that now and we're like, yeah, that's what Jesus did. It's like, well, what was he talking about when he came and said the kingdom of God is near, right? Like he was placing significance on his purpose in life, right? In Mark 8, the disciples call him the Messiah, the one who's come to save a people and Jesus affirms that calling, you know, that it's significant. Um, in Mark 8, um, I believe it's verse, let me make sure, it's verse 34 or 36, 36, Mark 8, 36, he says, um, what good is it to gain the world and yet forfeit your soul? It's like, whoa, like Jesus has always been trying to get us to kind of wake up and to see beyond this life and that's kind of what he's doing here. So the first point I kind of want to get to is our influence. Um, and so let's read verse 42 again and then we'll dig in. It says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck 
and they were thrown into the sea. Now we're picking up uh, on a conversation that he's having with his disciples. And he says, if anyone is to cause one of these little ones, okay? So you can see a few verses earlier, um, Jesus is speaking about a child in verse 37. And just a couple verses after that, the disciples have a question about a man who's been casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but isn't a part of the disciples. And Jesus has a conversation about that. So whenever he says that if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, he's probably talking about that child or that person who casts out a demon or something. But what we do know, you can't be positive about that. What we do know is that Jesus is talking about believers. If you cause a believer to stumble, and obviously he's coming with some pretty hefty words saying like it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Um, Contrary to belief, a millstone is not like a fashion garment. It's definitely not a flotation device. I found out it's it's used to like um, do something, mill whatever millstones do. It does something with wheat and grain. I'm not sure. We can ask, does anyone know about millstones? No, me neither. So it's a big stone and it's used for grinding. And if it's around your neck and you're in the water, you know, so Jesus is um, getting at something really heavy. Now, look, I, I, that, that is funny. It was a funny thought as I was thinking of it. But at the same time, I don't want to remove the seriousness here. Okay, like Jesus says this on purpose. He's having to see the gravity of the situation. He says, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, stumble may not be a word that you find yourself using very often. I don't either. Um, I haven't used it probably in the past ever until I kind of came across this passage of Scripture, okay? Um, but to stumble, I want us to get a picture of, of what that means. Um, in our path of following Jesus, whenever something gets in our way, um, just think about when you're in a race. If something is in your way, if you're on a path and it's in your way, you're either going to sidestep that thing, right, or you're going to run over it and fall, Right? And I mean, it's that simple. Like in our following of Jesus, when we are on the way to Jesus, if we trip over something, something prevents us from following after Jesus, that is us stumbling. Another word for that is sin, like just to make it as simple as possible. So Jesus is saying, if we cause someone else, another believer to stumble, it's better that a millstone be, you know, we get, the, we get the picture he gives us, okay? So it's really serious, okay? And this kind of reminded me of, when I was younger, it, it really is crazy how when we're younger, it doesn't take much to um, impact our lives, to almost change the trajectory. I'll give you some examples. Um, one, when I was like seven years old, I heard a revival preacher. His name was Brady Weldon. Do you guys know what revival preachers are? I'm Southern Baptist, or I was. I don't know what I am now. But anyway, so <laughs> I was Southern Baptist. We had revival preachers, and there were these guys, and they typically had, the stereotype was they'd come, and they'd be fiery and passionate and preach the gospel. And I heard a guy named Brady Weldon, and uh, man, he preached just a beautiful passage about Jesus and him coming back and um, like claiming his people. And I remember as like a little kid, I was in the balcony, and I was just like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This man makes me want to care about God, and I want to do this. And here I am, like at seven years old, that's what I've been wanting to do. And that little moment just changed my future, right? I'll tell you another one. I was in fifth grade and I was going to school in North Carolina and we were either, my class was either headed to band class or leaving band class. I played percussion um, or we were headed to recess or something. And I was running for whatever reason in this memory, I'm running. And apparently I run with like really heavy feet. And I I didn't know that until Josh Anderson, this other guy in fifth grade, you can look him up, I'm sure he's on Facebook, he commented about how I run really loud, and then he showed the class by giving an example of how I run, and you know, he really laughed at me, and I'm pretty sure in my head that all the kids laughed too. To this day, when I go for a jog, I am aware of how loud I am when I run. 
no lie. And I don't always go back to Josh Anderson and I've forgiven him, like prayed for him, you know, but, uh, but I, I, I think about like, if someone's far ahead of me and I'm running and they hear me coming, I'm doing it again. Like I'm running too loud, right? Now, my point is like things like that, Josh Anderson doesn't have a clue that he changed the trajectory of my jogging experience, but he did, right? My point is though, that as we grow up, it's crazy, right? When we're exposed to things, maybe you've experienced things like this. Maybe you remember like a fight your parents had and you were like, man, that really shook me up. Or maybe you fell off a tree and now you are deathly scared of heights, right? Maybe you watched an episode of ER and were like, I wanna be a doctor. Like maybe you had some small moments in your life that completely um, changed the trajectory of your future. And obviously these are earthly examples, but as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's warning them, he's like, hey, be careful, like with your brothers and sisters in the faith, for those who believe, like be careful what you say, be careful how you treat them. Like don't cause them to stumble in their pursuit of me. Now I know this can be kind of vague and I I kind of struggle with, well, what does it look like for me to put into action not causing someone to stumble, right? How do I put into action not doing something? And so I kind of took it a step further. It's like, what are we doing to encourage our brothers and sisters in faith? Um, I think about every Sunday we come here and here we are, like, look around, there's just people here with uh, some sort of common understanding that we are here to pursue God on a deeper level, right? It's like, how, what are we doing in our lives to connect with our brothers and sisters in the faith and encourage them? It's like, I don't know what that means. Maybe for you, it means getting coffee with somebody once a week and simply pouring into them, encourage them. Maybe it means in your friend group, simply asking, how are you doing? Like spiritually, where are you at? Having like some real talk, you know, like where are you at? How can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? Um, so that's kind of the, the place I wanted to leave with our influence. Jesus is pointing out the significance of the influence we have on other followers of Jesus. And I just took it a step further to say like, what are we doing to encourage the brothers and sisters in the faith? What power we have that we gather every week with friends and family and live in the city of Nashville with neighborhoods just waiting to hear the gospel. And we get to lock arms and do that together. Like what happens when we encourage each other in our faith? So um, we'll transition here from uh, verse 42 and our influence. We'll move on to our integrity in verses 43 through 48. I wanna reread these verses and um, we'll tackle this. So it says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, um, this is gonna come across as, you know, this is really heavy. Just, you know, let's go and just address that. This is really heavy. Jesus really said it and we're really gonna sit with it. Um, I do wanna point out that the hyperbole that's being used intentionally by Jesus, he never actually told one of his disciples, like, off with your hand. You know, that wouldn't be effective in advancing the kingdom, like might get an infection, might die. Like, not, not a good idea, right? Jesus is not saying, like, literally, like, cut off limbs that they're getting in your way. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, this is so important. Like, if you follow me, I want you to follow me. That's the Jesus we serve. And it can be so easy to, to kind of, let's tuck these verses away and just remember that God so loved the world. And, like, and it's so true, but Jesus, when he is calling disciples, he's like, I want all of you, every part of you. And it's really serious. When something gets in the way, like 
that needs to be removed, right? And it can be hard where we live in a culture where sort of the theme is acquire wealth, you know, maybe not be rich, but, you know, be able to sustain your living, um, have a family, probably save some retirement because that's smart for your kids, right? Be happy and die. Like, that's it, right? And even us as Christians, we can kind of get stuck on the religious side of Christianity. It's like attend a gathering, like give, acquire some wealth, give to your kids, be happy and die. Like, right? Because we live in a culture that kind of focuses right here, right now. This is it. This life, this is it. And Jesus is like, no, there's more. Like there's more to this life. There's eternal significance on everything we do. And so if you're choosing to follow me, I need all of you. That's why in Mark 8, 34, he says, anyone who follows me must deny themselves and pick up their cross. It's like, that's always been there. Before this tough text, that's been there. Stop picturing the gold necklace with the cross on it. Think about what a cross is. Like just, just real talk. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, leave the metaphor behind. What is Jesus saying? Give me your everything. And this can be really, really hard. I was at the Verizon store the other day getting an upgrade on a phone. And um, I was sitting down waiting to, be, um, waiting to meet with someone. And um, I saw a sign and it was above all the tablets and it said, more everything. Done. That was it. The sign said, more everything. And I was like, oh my gosh. One, I feel terrible because I'm getting an iPhone now. And this sign reminds me of who I am and where I live. Uh, it was like the most American thing I've ever seen. But um, it just reminded me of the culture we're in. More everything. You, 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 you. And we serve a savior that came and lived for everyone else except himself. Right? There's kind of this contradiction. And what's interesting is Jesus is saying this, like, this whole like remove anything that's keeping you from me. Remove all the stumbling blocks. He's talking to his disciples. Like they're already following him. And he's like, remove it all. But this can be really hard. And it reminds me of, has anyone ever been hunting? Word, way more than I thought. There's like four at least. Wow. Yeah. So I'm from Western Kentucky and I went to a school that had camo day. So that's where I'm from. And we go hunting there. And I, I actually was in the minority. I only went hunting like five to seven times, which is like, I'm a rookie. I'm an amateur. I don't even belong there. But um, anyway, so when I would do this, or maybe I'd go out on an adventure into the woods, we always would wear like layers because when you're going in the woods and not like when you're going to like one of the trails here, it's like not a clean thing. It's like you're going through bushes and thorns and like, you know, you're rugged. It's man stuff. And so I was, I remember I'd go through the woods and every time that I would leave an adventure in the woods, whether hunting or just in the woods for some reason as a kid, I, I just did that. And I would get home and I remembered before I could go inside, I would have to um, look at my clothes and notice I had a bunch of thorns and stickers and just woods all over me. And it was kind of this realization in this moment that um, although I had left the woods, I was still like carrying the woods with me a little bit and had to take the woods off of me, right? It was like this process of removal before I could go inside. And I see this talk happening with the disciples. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, hey man, if you're following Jesus, like he's got you, um, but there's more to it than just like the declaration of faith, right? It's, it's a life of giving our all to Jesus. And in our pursuit of Jesus, Jesus is going to want to remove some things inside of us that are preventing us from pursuing him fully. What's it called when you remove something from inside of you? Surgery, right? That's surgery. 
Jesus is coming in and he's wanting to do surgery. Now, what's the, the short, uh, the kind of the nearsighted version of surgery? You're gonna cut me open, take something out of me, stitch me up, that sucks. I don't want that. That's only gonna hurt me. Like, have you ever heard anyone that was like, I'm having surgery this week? Seriously, oh yeah, chest, cutting open. Like, no, of course not. Like, obviously surgery serves great purposes, but like no one's ever excited about the procedure itself. Why? Because it's hard, it hurts. Like, you're cutting me open and that's kind of the tension I feel here. It's like, but Jesus, I love my things. Like, seriously. Like, I love vegging out on Netflix every night. That's important to me. That's my rest. Like, you know, I don't want to go and serve. Like, I don't want to go and do. Like, I want these things that are important to me. And Jesus is like, if it's preventing you from pursuing the kingdom, right? And, and these things that I'm mentioning are goods. This isn't a moment to like stop everything you're doing. But like when goods replace the ultimate good of following Jesus, he needs to remove them. Like there has to be a surgery. There has to be a process and Jesus takes a moment to get really specific. He mentions three different body parts. And so I thought we could do that too. Uh, He mentions the hands, the feet, and the eyes. And just some questions that maybe you can reflect on and maybe not. If if these are helpful, great. If they're not, it's okay. Um, But when I thought about hands, as I was reading this week, I just kind of thought about like what we do. What are we doing? Like on a regular, what's your normal day look like? What are we doing with our hands? How are our hands being put to use? How are they being put to use for the kingdom of God? How are they being put to use elsewhere? When I think about feet, I just think about where you go, like where you spend your time. Like where do you often find yourself on a normal week? Where's your life investing? That's gonna tell you those things. When I think about eyes, I think about, man, eyes perceive everything that's pleasurable. They tell you what you like and what you don't like. It's like, man, what are your eyes desiring right now? Is it a new iPhone? It's like, I don't know. Is it sex? Is it greed? Is it money? Is it the Lord? It's like all those things that I mentioned, like there's a lot of things that are good. They're not in themselves bad, but when they replace Jesus, it's like, it may be time for some surgery, right? We'll move on from this point and um, we'll reflect on this a little bit later, but um, we've talked about our, um, our influence We talked about our integrity. We're gonna hit verses 49 and 50 and um, talk about our incense. So let's read verses 49 through 50. It says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. So um, I want to be clear. In all my studying this week, I studied a few different commentaries. This is what I've gathered. The fire in verse 48 versus the fire in verse 49, two different things. In 49, we've kind of switched to the thought of discipleship. Um, And so I'm gonna flesh that out for you. So when it said, everyone will be salted with fire, um, the disciples that heard this, I think this would have been pretty clear from from my study that they would have understand and and thought about. And in the Old Testament, you can see a lot of this. There's a lot of sacrifice um, as acts of worship to God. So people would get like the best of their animals um, and they would sacrifice them before God and they would salt their sacrifices. Um, they would offer up grains and flour and they would put incense on them and burn them before God. And as the smoke would rise, they would see that as a sweet aroma of praise. And so when Jesus says that you know, everyone will be salted with fire, there's this kind of picture of sacrifice, our life as sacrifice. And there's also this picture of purification it's like, if you ever heard, I, I Googled this to make sure 
Um, uh, I looked up like how to refine gold because I'd always heard this saying, um, but I didn't know um, like something about, you know, gold isn't pure before you put it on fire. I can't remember what the saying was though, but that's the notion. Um, Anyway, so uh, there's this thought process that like if you're gonna refine gold, if you're gonna get the impurities out of gold, what's the first thing you do? You put it on fire. You heat it up hot, like real hot, right? That's like the first step to removing the impurities. And it's kind of this violent picture, but it's kind of true. It's like, man, the thought of becoming more like Jesus, I got all these things in me that he wants to remove out of me. It's like, man, nearsighted, that surgery piece. It's like, man, that's gonna be painful, but like, man, he's purifying us. He's making us more like himself. And so when the disciples hear this, they kind of get this picture of, well, good news, I'll be purified. My life will be a sacrifice, but sometimes it's gonna be tough. There's gonna be tough conversations like the one we're having today. Like, man, there's some, we need to kind of reflect on our life. Where's our time being spent? How are we investing in other people? How are we investing in the kingdom of God? And that's not always fun, but man, what it communicated to me this week is I was just thinking like, God, you're my creator. Like, man, sacrificing my life, giving of myself, naturally I feel this resistance. And you guys might feel it right now. It's like, is he asking me to like make changes? A lot of cha- like big ones, like my routine. It's like, yeah, it's like, that can be really tough. We just naturally have resistance to change, right? But it just kind of hit me like, God, I was your idea. Actually, you're on purpose. You happened because God, we've been given life. So we give it back. Like, whoa, man. And another thought that really captivated me was, man, Jesus isn't some coach on the sideline, like barking at his players, giving them commands. Jesus came to earth and sacrificed his life. It's already been done. Like what's being asked of us has already been done on our behalf. Jesus came and sacrifice his life for us. And then we, in return, offer our life as sacrifice. May it be a sweet aroma of praise. May the incense of our lives be a sweet aroma of praise to God. And when we offer up our life as a sacrifice, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. When we offer up our life as a sacrifice, we know that Jesus has promised us life abundantly. Like we're not giving up to death, we're giving in to new life, right? And if all these thoughts of like, man, giving up things, giving up things, like that can feel really exhausting and you can feel really unable. It's like, there's like some bad news, good news here. The bad news is you really are unable. The good news is Jesus is completely able and has promised his spirit to help us along the way and to empower us. That is a promise of Jesus. So if you're here feeling overwhelmed, it's like, that's okay. Like, you, you can't do it. You, you, you don't have it. You don't have it in. You can't muster up enough strength. Jesus does. And he's promised us his spirit. So I want to kind of wrap up with some questions for this week. And then we'll have some questions for communion. Um, the first question that I want to do is just kind of addressing the, the people who may not follow Jesus yet. If that's you, it's totally cool. We want you here. I want you to feel free to be wherever you're at on your spiritual journey here. But I just had some questions for you that I want you to wrestle with this week. First is, where's your life headed? Like in life, where are you headed? 
Where are you going? Where's your path taking you? And why is it headed there? It's like real simple time of reflection. Where's my life headed? And why? Why is it headed there? Maybe as you think about this, you'll start to see the significance of the life of Jesus. And secondly, for, for this week, for followers of Jesus, I wanted to ask you guys some questions as well. Um, two part, it's where's your life headed? And why is it headed there? Sometimes those simple questions are gonna really uh, lead to some really awesome reflection. It's like something else I thought of was, ask yourself, what's my normal day look like? Because your normal day is mostly who you are. Your routine is who you are. Just ask yourself, what does my day look like? What's my routine? Where does that mean my life's headed? Why is it headed there? Those are kind of big picture questions, and honestly, they're, they're pretty personal. So it's like if you want to reflect on those during the week, but I do have some questions for communion. So every week we gather around this table. If you've never been here before, you see bread and juice, and we reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made, the bread representing his body, the juice um, representing um, the blood that was shed. And um, we often ask questions, uh, and we want this to be a comfortable spot. So if like, you're like, I don't know about sharing my heart, I don't know about talking to strangers, that I don't know about stuff about my life, totally cool, get it. If you need to just kind of sit there and listen and nod, awesome. It's not awkward. Feel comfortable to do that. Okay, but here's some questions if you do want to discuss with the people at your table. Um, the first question I have is, what are you doing regularly to invest in Jesus and following after Jesus? And this can be, this is real simple. Just like answer it simply. Don't try to think too hard. Like, what are you doing regularly to invest in following Jesus? And the second question is, what are you doing regularly to invite others into following Jesus? Now, if you're like me, you may be like, oh my gosh, I have nothing, and I don't want to say that out loud. Feel free. I don't want this to be a condemning spot for you. I want this to be sort of a creative process. So if you're, if you're drawing blanks right now, um, your table, creative energy, just get it going. Let's start talking about it. Man, what can we do? What can we do? It may be as simple as, I'm gonna just start reading. I'm gonna read the word of God and spend five minutes a day praying and asking him, what does he want from me? You know, maybe, maybe you wanna get with your friends and have a Bible, so I don't know. It may be something as simple as that. Maybe you're like, man, I need to be serving. I'm not going out and inviting people into the kingdom. Like maybe I need to go to the library downtown Nashville, get to know people that live on the streets. Just pour into them. Get to know people, build relationships. I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't wanna give you ideas unless you want them. Then we can talk. But anyway, so think about this. Those two questions. What am I doing to pursue Jesus? What am I doing regularly? And what am I doing regularly to invite people into the kingdom of God? Because in the end, at this life, if we believe that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and we are sitting here, the blink of an eye on earth, in the midst of forever, it's like, let that sit with, let that be a healthy weight May we invest in eternity uh, in soul value. So let's pray and uh, we'll have communion.